0: So welcome back to episode two of Photography Basics. And um, we're going to look at the first third of the exposure triangle. Now, if you don't know what the exposure triangle, basically it consists of three elements, aperture, shutter speed, and ISO. Sometimes people talking about the exposure triangle refer to the law of reciprocity. Now, you can pose with your friends at the next cocktail party you go to. You can say, Oh, yes. No, yes, please. Today. Interesting. and you can bore the pants off them the law of reciprocity is all about how aperture shutter speed and iso interact with each other and how when you change one it kind of affects the others anyway we're only looking at part one of it today which is the aperture okay and aperture is very very important to photographers apart from controlling the amount of light that goes into your camera It also controls your depth of field and that has a direct result on your bokeh. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, keep listening. The main function of aperture is to control how much light enters the camera, the quantity of light. Yes, the quantity. And it does this through a series of openings, holes, apertures. So a small hole obviously doesn't let in a great deal of light. You can quite understand that if it's a very bright day, you might want to reduce that hole to a small one to reduce the amount of light. If it's a dull day or maybe the end of the day at home, indoors, light's gone down, not much light to shoot with at all, then you may want to open up your aperture to let in more light. So that kind of all makes sense, doesn't it? Not a lot of light, then you open your aperture wide up. Loads of light, close it right down. But where it gets confusing are the F numbers or the F stops. And these are the numbers on your camera which indicate to you how big or how small that aperture is. And it's counterintuitive because the bigger the F number, the smaller the opening. Or the smaller the F number, the bigger the opening and people ask why are they such strange numbers because they are so you've got f16 f11 f8 f5.6 f4 f2.8 and so on what do these numbers mean well that's not for this podcast because it goes a little bit deep it's all about ratios between focal lengths and diameters of apertures and so on and so forth don't need to know that all you need to know is that every time you click between one stop and another you are doing one of two things you're either doubling the light coming in Or halving the light coming in and that is all you need to know so if you if you're on f2.8 and you closed it down one stop to f4 you've halved the light if you close it down another stop to 5.6 you've halved the light again if you went the other way and you were shooting at f5.6 and you opened up to the next stop which is f4 you've doubled the light Double the light again, you go to 2.8. Double the light again, you go to f2 and so on. One way doubles the other halves. Stops were invented as a really easy way for photographers to control exactly how much light went into the lens, into the camera. Okay, so we now know what they do, why they do it. Why are people so keen on shooting in aperture priority mode? So if you do a survey around the world, I guarantee you, wherever you take the survey, the vast majority of people, or the vast majority of photographers who don't shoot in auto because they're not real photographers. Yeah, only only, only people who don't shoot in auto are real photographers. Don't tell anyone. Only the people who don't shoot in auto, yeah, of, of those... The vast majority, I mean, it is a ridiculously high percentage, probably in the 80s and 90 percentage range, shoot in aperture priority. So they turn a dial on the top of their camera, which usually is an A. On a Canon, it's an AV, which stands for aperture value. Uh, They're the old ones. out. Everybody else tends to use just A. And shooting in aperture priority means you choose the aperture and the camera chooses the shutter speed or the ISO but you are in control of the aperture. You're giving priority to the aperture. Why is that important? It's important because of the side effect I mentioned right at the beginning of this podcast. The biggest side effect of changing the aperture is how it affects your depth of field, the amount of the picture that's actually sharp or appears sharp to you. And the wider that depth of field, the more of the picture is in focus, the narrower the depth of field, the smaller the amount that's in focus so you can imagine if you were taking a portrait of your kids or a loved one and you wanted to get a nice soft background behind them you want a narrow depth of field so the only part that's actually in focus is the person you're photographing to blur out the background which is called bokeh by the way b-o-k-e-h bokeh you choose a narrow depth of field and to get a narrow depth of field here we go you've got to choose the right aperture so as a photographer, if I'm shooting portraits, I'll be shooting around f2.8, f2, 1.8, 1.6, something like that, depending on how many people are in the shot. If you've got a lot of people in a shot, you can't shoot at those wide open apertures because the depth of field is so narrow that not all of them will be in focus. But that's another story. To get that lovely blurred out background, you need to shoot with a narrow depth of field, which is a wide aperture. Now, what if you're a landscape photographer and you want the whole scene nice and sharp? Everything from the mountains in the background to the little lake in the foreground or maybe a cottage and a small boat and people doing some gardening. I don't know, whatever. And you want the whole lot in focus. A wide aperture's no good to you because your depth of field will be so narrow. Only part of that scene will be in focus. So you now need a wide aperture depth of field which is a small aperture you know f8 f11 f16 somewhere around about there and when you do that especially if you've got a wide angle lens which we'll talk about lenses on another future podcast your depth of field is so huge everything in the shot will appear sharp which is pretty cool now so how do you remember which kind of aperture gives you which kind of depth of field well think of it this way Think if you had a lens which opened up to F1. Very few lenses do. Specialist lenses, normally quite expensive. But if you had a an F1 lens where the aperture opened up to F1, that opening would be huge. Okay? But it is just one. So how many Fs? One. Now try shooting with F16, which is a tiny aperture, but your depth of field is huge. How many Fs in F16? 16. So... Think one F1 or that end of your aperture range, that you know, a small number will only give you a small number of Fs. But if you shoot F16, there's a big number of Fs, which means big number of Fs, that's a wide area in focus. One F, not much in focus, 16 Fs, lots in focus, and obviously, somewhere in between F4, F5.6, you've got a number of f's which come somewhere between 1 and 16. So you get a medium amount in focus. Does that all make sense? If it doesn't, you need to go on a workshop. But that's another story. Moving on so as a rule and this is a sweeping generalization portrait photographers tend to want a narrow depth of field to blur out the background landscape photographers usually want a wide depth of field to get everything in shot there are no hard and fast rules in photography because every rule can be broken for the sake of art and creative opportunities but as a sweeping generalization those rules hold now then What about this bokeh thing, this background blur? Bokeh is a Japanese word meaning blur or haze, B-O-K-E-H. Some people pronounce it bokeh, but that sounds more like flowers to me, and I'm not a flowers kind of guy. So for me, it's bokeh. And it's defined as the aesthetic, let's get this right, the aesthetic quality of the blur produced in the out-of-focus parts of an image produced by a lens so it's the background blur and also the blur could be in the foreground if you're photographing someone through some trees or some flowers the flowers in the foreground be blurred the trees in the background be blurred but the subject you're photographing will be nice and nice and sharp this is the third most popular question i am asked OK, so the, the most popular question I get asked is what, what camera should I buy? The second one is what lens should I get next? And the third one is how do I get my background all nicely blurred out? I'm going to tell you there are five things you need to know. Here we go. To get a really good background bokeh, you need a wide aperture. And when I say wide, preferably f2 or wider. So f2, 1.8, Most of you listening to this may not have lenses that open up that wide. You're going to have to go and buy one. And usually if you go for something like a 50mm prime lens, which means it doesn't zoom, they're relatively inexpensive and they are great at producing bokeh. If I had to pick one for a full frame camera, it would be an 85mm 85mm f1.8, which you can get, again, Good low price, you know, three maybe under just under four hundred pounds, something like that, and it would take just stunning, stunning, portrait shots and give you lovely background bokeh. eighty-five mil is a short telephoto. It's a longer focal length than normal. Long focal lengths also give you good background bokeh. So if you combine a wide aperture and a long focal length, you get a double whammy, and the background bokeh is even better. One other thing you can do is to increase the distance between the subject you're photographing and the background. So if you stand someone in front of a bush, that bush is not going to be blurred. But if that bush is like 100, 200, 300 yards away behind them, it's going to be super soft. So the further the background is beyond the person you're photographing, the better. Number four is how close you are. The closer you get to your subject, the narrower your depth of field. And the narrower your depth of field, the better the background bokeh. So if you try and take a picture full-length head to feet, you're not going to get much bokeh at all. Even with a really expensive five, six, seven, ten grand lens, you're not going to do it. But with most lenses, if you go for a headshot and you go open up to a nice wide aperture and the background behind them is some distance away and you've got a slightly long focal length that backgrounds can be brilliant now wide aperture long focal length distance between the subject and the background should be long the closer you are the better and there is a fifth but this is an expensive option for some people because the way to get better bokeh is to have a bigger sensor so if you're shooting on a crop frame camera with a 1.5 crop or a two times crop Uh, you're not going to get as good a bokeh as someone shooting on a full-frame camera. And if you don't know what a full-frame camera is, I'm sure we're going to cover that at some future session. Or drop me an email, or attend one one of our workshops. There we go. Five things you need for great bokeh. Wide aperture, long focal length, distance between subject and background, and the closer the better. And finally, get a bigger sensor. Okay, so there we go. We've raced through that. A super quick snapshot of aperture. Add its side effects and how to get the very best from it. Enjoy. Now you may be thinking, good grief, I can't possibly understand all this. And I have to say, trying to explain some of this stuff without visuals is quite hard, which is why we run a workshop we have a one-day workshop called Introduction to Photography. We run it four times a year and you can check it out on our website, gohsp.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. This is a particularly good course for beginners or those who perhaps haven't been using their camera for a while and they just need to get back into understanding how the exposure triangle works, what the side effects are and how to take control of your camera and the shot so i'll leave it there i will ask one more thing before i go don't forget to hit the subscribe button and we'll let you know every time a new one of these is published thanks for listening we'll see you the next one